0: The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralysed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves, and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry their gallops headlong, their horsemen come from afar." They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past at the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Lord, are you not from everlasting... My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net, and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury, and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without his mercy?' Thanks, Grace. Uh, Beautifully read. Um, Let's pray
1: together and and then we'll hand over to Neil. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that your word uh, speaks across the centuries and your spirit moves uh, moves it into our hearts and our minds. Lord Jesus, please be with us. um, Well, you're with us. We know that. Please be tangible uh, as we uh, reflect on your word together. Be with Neil um, uh, as he shares some thoughts.
0: In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Amen, thank you. Thank you, Grace, for reading so beautifully. I've just bowled away by that. Ironically, in a way, it was almost too beautifully read, wasn't it? The the, uh, kind of... These words are just so ugly, aren't they? And I can imagine Habakkuk being really angry as he said them. So thank you, Grace, for reading so beautifully so clearly that we got the message But if you don't mind, this morning, I'm going to, you know, make it a bit more dirty. Before I do, I better introduce myself. My name's Neil, as John said, and uh, about just over a year ago, I was thrown out of Oldham Baptist Church. Um, Well, not quite. I was encouraged to leave, uh, let's say, to plant a church down on the south coast. Um, It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it and um I'm married I've got a lovely wife called Jenny and uh I thought who was going to come in and tell me something then but she's not and uh three boys who are now grown up and have flown the nest but we all grew up with Alton Baptist and just um you know so grateful for for all the good things that we got from Alton Baptist um But you really haven't learnt, have you? You you threw me out a year ago and then you forgot how bad I was and you asked me to come back and preach six months ago. And what happened six months ago? We all went into lockdown, didn't we, the week after. So you forgot that and you've asked me again to preach again. And what happens? We're back in lockdown again. So let's not play the blame game here. I'm aware that there's one or two people here today who might not know me at all. So I'm really pleased to meet you. I'm really glad. Welcome back. I'm really glad you come back. It's going to be a bit different to last week, but I hope you stick with it. And I really hope you get to know these lovely people on the screen in front of you in those little boxes. Because if there's one thing I've learned, I learned from a podcast um, just this week that church... Is about community, not content. Church is about community, not content. Now, please remember this um, as you're listening to this talk. Please remember that because um, my content might not be ideal, but church is about community, not content. So, folks, I'm aware. Paul, have we got a uh, problem with the PowerPoint? Are we all right? Yeah, it's there. Brilliant. Good stuff. Hey. Church community, not content. I'm not controlling things. Thank you, Paul, for taking that that um, problem off of me. But we're, we're back, good. So I, I just wanted to emphasise that, really, folks, because. You know, In this time, particularly in this time, and I think this message is so relevant, that that life is messy for Habakkuk here, isn't it? And life is messy for us. But we need to build community and we need to remember that being one with one another and with God is the way church really succeeds. Um, So please stay behind for virtual coffee time, won't you? I genuinely believe that it's one of the most important parts of our church. When we just get to know one another and love one another, and show care for one another, particularly when we can't meet in person. Okay, now down to my talk. I've entitled today's talk, God Moves in Mysterious Ways. Or, be careful what you wish for. Now, I've used that because that phrase is often used as a cop-out, isn't it? The comedy vicar on the TV, he says... Uh, oh yeah, he gets asked some difficult question, and instead of giving the honest, simple, straightforward answer, "I don't know," he said, "Well, of course, God moves in mysterious ways." Now, I don't think anyone would blame us as Christians in these really strange times we're living in, for simply saying, "I just don't know what God's up to right now, but I do believe God has a message for us in each and every situation as much today as 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 when things are going beautifully and swimmingly and I pray that he speaks through me in the next few minutes but more than that I pray he speaks to you in the rest of your life as you deal with these, the ups and downs of everyday life whether it be pandemics or just you know the ordinary stuff of everyday life hey I'm back <laughs> so My wife, Jenny, would tell you that I'm a strange character. Many of you know that already. Um, My favourite films are all about war and violence. They're films like Hacksaw Ridge. Hands up if you think Hacksaw Ridge. Seen Hacksaw Ridge. Brilliant film, isn't it? Life is Beautiful. Unbroken. And boxing films like Million Dollar Baby and Creed and Rocky and stuff like that. And, And it's crazy. And the reason it's crazy is because I like to think of myself as a pacifist and I, I deplore the thought of violence. So why am, I, why am I so fascinated with violence? Well, of course, it's, it's that kind of, you know, it's the triumphing over adversity that, that many of those films contain, isn't it? It's the great acts of heroism. It's the vulnerability. The, uh, and also the uncertainty of the, and the peril of those situations. You know, is this person going to survive this situation? And perhaps that's why I love the Bible as well. And this, is a, this passage today is, a, is case in point. Because it's full of stories of humanity and inhumanity. Because both are reality. Now, if we're on that boxing metaphor, I'd like to think of myself as your corner man here today. You know, the corner man's job is to patch them up, you know, hopefully a bit wiser about, you know, the, what, the mistakes that they made in the past. You know, that cut above your right eye, you need to defend yourself a bit better. Whatever it is. And they also suggest solutions. They send them back out, hopefully victorious, because they've learned some important lessons. So that's the kind of sermon we've got today. It's a bit rough and ready, folks. Okay. The other thing I've got to warn you is you've probably gathered from the passage today that this is going to be a bit of a Lord of the Rings thing. It's a bit of a trilogy, and I'm only part one. So the reading kind of ended quite abruptly. Didn't give a good result, did it? But don't worry, if it let, ends on a cliffhanger and you feel a bit, you know, robbed, John and John are going to come on the next couple of weeks and fill in the gaps. But hopefully there's enough kind of protein in this meal today for you to get something that you can take into the world next week anyway let's start this journey with the obvious question despite the fact that it was read so beautifully for us what possible relevance could a 2700 year old speech from a long dead israeli prophet have to my life in the world today that's the question i'm sure you're asking and let me help you to answer it. Okay, I'd like to sum up everything Grace read in, in what's called what I like to call the NNIV, Neil's nearly infallible version of the Bible. So, Habakkuk comes to God on behalf of the people and he says, Life is rubbish! What are you doing about it, God? God could have reminded Habakkuk that. Actually, you brought it on yourselves, all this, but instead he suggests a helpful solution. Don't worry, Habakkuk. Keep the faith. I have a plan. I'm going to replace your horrible repressive enemy with another horrible repressive enemy. Habakkuk picks his jaw up off the floor and replies, Hmm, I thought you were all powerful. Is that the best you've got? End of part one. So... Told you it was a cliffhanger. Thanks, everybody. Tune in next week. Bye. No. Okay. let's see what we can get out of this. Seriously. Firstly, the writers of the Bible were living in the real world. Let me emphasise that. To borrow a commonly used phrase, stuff happens. At least I think that's what the phrase is anyway. Secondly, this is faith we are practising here. To quote from the New Testament from Hebrews, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's not faith if it's already happened or it's done and dusted. That's what they call insider dealing in the business world, so I'm told. So please hold on to that as we drill down into the passage. This is about having faith and keeping the faith. Okay, verses two to four that Grace read Habakkuk situation violence injustice wrongdoing the law is paralyzed justice never prevails the wicked hem in the righteous old Habakkuk really sticks it to God doesn't he in those first four voices doesn't he? he he tells God how it ought to be on the surface it's not unreasonable what he's saying is it although sometimes he's He's on the petulant, really, isn't he? Why do you make me look at injustice? It sounds a bit, mm, a bit immature, doesn't it? He's a human being. But I think you'll agree that, that what he's summing up there is still relevant to our contemporary events today. Habakkuk could have been writing about current affairs in 2020 for many people, couldn't he? Let's look at the current situation, shall we? Why do you make me go through this, God? Brexit divisions, coronavirus, food poverty, civil liberties curtailed, climate crisis, refugee crisis, police suitings. It's just not fair. What are you going to do about it, God? Sound familiar? Incidentally, with regard to Habakkuk's slightly less than respectful tone with the God of the Universe... Clearly, if this is in the Bible, it's reasonable to assume that the God of the universe doesn't mind us taking out our frustrations on him. I'm not suggesting that it's a good idea to not treat God respectfully. But actually, I think he can take it. And I think he understands. We are frustrated right now, aren't we? You woke up this morning or you heard the news last night and you are incredibly frustrated. Or if you're a person of colour and you see what's happening out in America and all across the world to people who, who you know and love, you are incredibly frustrated. Or if you voted one way or another in a particular referendum, which we won't mention the name of, and it didn't go for you, you are incredibly frustrated. And even if you voted for it, you might still be frustrated. Now, there is a huge amount of frustration out there. Still. I think God's is willing to treat us like he treated Habakkuk. He's willing to treat us like grown-ups, even when we act like children, even when we're a bit petulant. So maybe the message for today for us is God isn't necessarily going to stop the mess. In fact, God is going to use these circumstances to bring about his ultimate purposes. So there you go. Big lesson number one. Does God intervene? Can God intervene? Yep, God can intervene. And he sometimes does intervene. But as Habakkuk learned, not always in the way we think he should. So, of course, there's nothing wrong with being anti-violence, is there? Anti-evil? And it's reasonable to assume that if God is good, he is anti those things as well. But Habakkuk is betraying that common underlying problem of humanity when they approach God. Which probably can be summed up in this simple phrase. You know what, God? If I was you, I would do it this way. Now, that's the point, isn't it? Do I have to point out to you this morning that you... I'm not God. I am not God. We don't have that privileged position. In this case, God is saying he's going to save Israel from the Assyrians, who were horrible. No, you know, no denying that the Assyrians were the folks that Jonah didn't want to see. He would rather go off in the opposite direction and be eaten by a whale than than, than, than face the Assyrians and no surprise at all did you know the Assyrians invented crucifixion and they invented crucifixion because their preferred method of capital punishment which I won't go into was taking too long death row was 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 oversubscribed they were horrible people the Assyrians and and you know when when God says to Habakkuk I'm gonna get rid of them don't worry Habakkuk must be thought yay freedom but what happens he replaces them with the Babylonians now, at this point, as I said, we can see Habakkuk's eyes popping out and he's jaw dropping like some sort of cartoon, can't we? You are going to do what? But of course, Habakkuk is stuck in this groove, isn't he? This groove, I know better than you, God. Have you not thought about this? If we flip to verse 12 in the passage, are you not from everlasting? You will never die. And then he proceeds to tell God for another, I don't know how many verses, you know, exactly what God should already know. Because, of course, God is God. He knows everything. That's his job description. Now, permit me, if you like, either I would suggest Habakkuk is stating the blooming obvious here. Or if we read between the lines, what he's actually saying is... I think I might have backed the wrong horse here, where he says you will never die. Actually, what he's saying, but I might die. Have you seen those Babylonian chariots? Habakkuk is basically like a a cheesed off consumer, isn't he? I know my rights. I was sold a contract for a God who would always rescue me whenever I called his name. I want a full refund. Find me another God. Perhaps we shouldn't be so harsh on Habakkuk, as we've got all the benefits of historical hindsight, haven't we? If there was no Babylonian invasion, we know there would be no exile. And the Israelites presumably would get pounded into non-existence by the Assyrians. No more Israelites, and present-day Israel is part of a much greater Iraq. No exile... No preserving of a faithful remnant of God's people, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all the way down to John the Baptist, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. No Jesus. Can you contemplate that? Habakkuk couldn't see, couldn't see that far ahead, could he? Now, I'm not saying if Habakkuk had got his way, there would be no Jesus because you know, the incarnation of the Messiah is essential for our lives, isn't it? God, God would have found another way. But so much of history depends, you know, it's the butterfly effect, they call it, don't they? So God is teaching us that there is a plan. There is always a plan. There is a plan for coronavirus, folks. But our understanding of that plan isn't essential for its execution. Sorry to burst your bubble. God is God and any inside knowledge that you get in his plans is a privilege, isn't it, at the end of the day? So is this relevant to us today? That's the question. In two days, the richest and most powerful nation goes to the vote. Now, there are many... I don't understand this. There are many Christians out there who say... Voting for Donald Trump is a godly thing. Donald Trump is the blunt instrument that will break, that will, that will sweep away this broken system. Now, you know, and, and they point to these, these stories in the Old Testament for that. Now, I still don't understand that. Maybe I'm just being a bit like Habakkuk. I don't disagree that the system is broken. I, I don't want to get too political here. But, you know, there, there are so many things... That, you know, if we did it God's way, it could be done so much better. I don't don't think you'll disagree with that. And maybe it's a bit harsh to be equating Trump with Babylon here. But actually, do, 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 do you realise the day after the election is the first day that Trump can take America out of the Paris Climate Accord? It was one of the first things that he said he was going to do. And he he, he said he would do it. But in the, in the law, they had to give a, 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 period, a ref, period of reflection or something. So actually, the 4th of November is the first day that America can, act, America can actually be withdrawn from the Paris Climate Agreement. Which is huge, isn't it? You know, for many of us, this is bigger than Brexit. It's bigger than coronavirus. It's bigger than Black Lives Matter. It's about every single bit of life on Earth and our responsibility to it so i mean that's that's politics isn't it that's that's huge and it's so difficult it feels just so overwhelming all those big issues don't they but if i've learned anything from studying this passage is that we shouldn't be asking what god is going to do to bring about a broken system because we might not like the answer It's better to ask God to help us to solve the problems of our own making and trust him for the rest. Now, many of you will be familiar with the serenity prayer. Written by Reinhold Niebuhr in the 1940s. It's on posters and bookmarks and tea towels and all sorts. And you'll be familiar with these words. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. What a great prayer for these times. But actually, did you know that there is more to it? It doesn't end there. There is no amen after the word difference, is there? And that's because it carries on. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking as he did this sinful world, as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right. If I surrender to his will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life, and supremely happy with him, forever and ever in the next Amen. In my life at the moment, I've got a close family member who is in a lot of pain. And the likelihood is from the diagnosis that are coming through is that she has cancer um, and possibly a really horrible kind of cancer. And I know there are many of us here who can testify to God's hand being at play in their personal lives this is not just a global thing this is our everyday lives for each and every one of us we cry to God and we say why is this happening why don't you do something about it thank you Kate but you know I'm talking to God just like Habakkuk I'm saying you know what this isn't good God what are you going to do about it and then I feel God gently ask me if I trust him and I love him And you know all those songs that you keep singing, Neil, about how much you trust me and how much you love me and how much you want me to be closer than a brother. This is the time where the rubber hits the road, as they say. Now, (laughs) maybe logically the best possible solution is for that person to be as close to the Lord as she can be and pain free. And then it dawned on me what that means. Don't get me wrong, I, well, I don't want pain and suffering, remember, pacifist? But if as Christians we, par- we pray, thy will be done, we need to mean it, come what may. Now I know it still doesn't make it easier when we're going through these circumstances. When you're right in the middle of those painful situations, but thank God we have Jesus who knows what we're going through and promised to never leave us and we have each other that's what the Christian faith is all about folks remember church is community not content it's not it's or content is secondary perhaps it still is a little bit about singing and sermons and sharing communion definitely but the important thing about those bits of content is the community that it builds we need one another to get through this so let's sum this up is the world in a mess are our individual lives messy what's the solution remember be careful what you wish for does the current mess mean that god doesn't care And does God only work through the Mother Teresas of this world? Or can fallen, imperfect, even evil people feature somehow in God's plan? And I include myself in that as much as I include Donald Trump. Well, that's just about it. I'm sorry to end on a cliffhanger, if you like, with lots of loose ends that I'm sure are going to be tied up by John and John in the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned, folks. I just want to leave something else that that God said to me the other day. Jesus promised us life in all its fullness, not life in all its niceness. And I know if I hadn't been in such a mess when I moved to Solihull 17 years ago, I never would have met you folks. Maybe Habakkuk, the harder path might be the better one. Desmond Doss in Hacksaw Ridge certainly knew that. And Jesus did as well, of course. Thanks for listening, folks. Hang on in there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you can overcome any barrier, any pandemic, any difficulty we might face. And you can do it with a wave of your hand. But your perfect wisdom knows that you wouldn't necessarily, that wouldn't necessarily be the best solution for us. In these messy times, fill us with your spirit of patience and with faith to trust you, that you know what you are doing. Help us not to be judgmental of others when they mess up, but help them to put, yeah, help them to put things right. Inspire us to act positively to change things for the better. Forgive us when we're in a mess of our own making and forgive us when we've messed things up for others. We're truly sorry. We understand that your way is best, the way of sacrifice and generosity and love and peace. And frankly, arguing with the king of heaven is pointless. Lord, draw us together as a church which believes in community above content. And help us to practice what we preach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.